Welcome to Heart of the Matter. It's a new set. We have an exciting show tonight, and uh, just glad you're here. Um, I'd like to start with a prayer, and uh, so let's just petition the Lord together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We ask you to come here and be with Greg and I as we talk, and help the callers and the viewers that they will know the intents of our heart and your will in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are uh, interested in calling, we're going to open up the phone lines after Greg and I talk for a minute, and he'll be on after the first break. I want to start off uh, just by going through all the calls that we've received and the messages that we haven't been able to answer, and uh, just touch on those so that people can know that they're being listened to and that we're going to address their messages. First one is uh, people are complaining. I'm not going to tell you who this is from because it's pretty ugly, but people are complaining that I'm calling Latter-day Saints brothers and sisters. They are my brothers and sisters uh, in the, as my fleshly brothers and sisters. And uh, if you take umbrage to that, well, I'm sorry. Um, and also, and they become my brothers and sisters as they accept the Lord. And also they say that uh, somebody is writing my material for me. And uh, I take that as a compliment. I write my own material. And if you have any questions on that, you can uh, look at my notes. To Gene Bassinger, who I saw at the airport, who teaches Bible study at Whitworth. I uh, give you a shout out and say, keep it going, brother. State and great to uh, know that you're uh, standing firm. I got this from Dave in Farmington. You are pretty bold and egotistical to come on the air and discount the teachings of the Mormon church. I would guess a sinner who couldn't live up to the church moral standard and got, to make it in, got out to make it easier on yourself. Remember, Jesus is indeed watching you. I will say a prayer for your salvation. Teaching against the church is going against Jesus. Many churches take the sacrament. At the Last Supper, Jesus himself was practicing the sacrament. You are really something full of yourself. Of course, you wouldn't read this on the air. So uh, there is your, uh, your criticism of me on the air, Dave. And um, I want you to know that I love you anyway. And your, uh, your ad hominem attacks on my person... I'll pretend like they don't bug me, but they really do. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, Jimmy says, um, how do Mormons see the issue about being mortal beings? Oh, I already covered that one. Sorry. Uh, John wants to know about the Trinity, and we already covered that one. Darn it. Sorry. Jared, don't you ever try and tell me what I believe. You have no idea, Charlie. Uh, I don't know what you believe, Jared. You're right. I don't know what you believe, but I do know what uh, LDS doctrine is. I do know what Mormonism teaches. So when I'm on this show, I'm presenting what Mormonism teaches in their doctrine and in their theology historically and present day. I don't go into all the ugly things of your history, and all churches have ugly histories, is from what I've seen, but I just try to teach what the doctrine is. And, and so when I'm speaking of Mormonism, uh, when I'm speaking of beliefs, I'm talking about what the Mormon church teaches, not what individual Mormons believe. And that is really important for all viewers to understand. So please don't think that I'm telling you what you believe. I have no idea what you believe. In fact, I have a feeling that many of you believe similar to me. So let's just get it over with and, uh, and go forward. Jake says, um, have the LDS people ever thought that maybe God is using Christians to warn them? I don't know if Mormons have thought that. Um, I've never personally thought that, uh, but uh, it's possible. And you know, everybody hears a different, uh, a different um, message, and they hear it in a different way. And who knows? I don't know the answer to that, to tell you the truth. This is a comment. Um, this is something else. 
Mary says it's a good show. Josh in Salt Lake City is a return missionary for the LDS Church. He's still active, but he appreciates the show because we talk about Jesus so much and we focus on people coming back to the basics of who Jesus is in their life and what they think of him. I asked Jeremy on, or Josh excuse me, on the phone today if he was active. He said absolutely, but he likes the show. And so I'm grateful for that uh, very much. Thank you, Josh in Salt Lake. Jim M., who called today and talked to Michelle, uh, wrote, This is a ridiculous show. It makes you sick to your stomach. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Um, but I don't know what to say to that. Okay, and, um, and Georgia says, I wanted to mention that the church talks about Joseph Smith too much. Joseph Smith, Joseph Smith. Um, and I think that they do talk about Joseph Smith too much. I agree with you. I think Jesus, if he was replaced with Joseph, would... Uh, they would go a lot farther. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with people referring to some historical evidence. P uh, Christians talk about Calvin and, and uh, other church forefathers, but uh, I do think they talk about Joseph Smith too much. Shall we as, uh, how shall we as Christians, this is from Ronald Groberg, Ronald, uh, how shall we as Christians refute the arguments of non-believers that the Bible cannot be trusted due to various translations? Quickly, four things. Examine the history and other evidences like the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, know that Jesus quoted from the Bible that was older to him than the New Testament in many ways are to us. Um, I don't know how they'd be willing to be, uh, besmirch a book that has so many uh, evidences of its authenticity and where many of the books that they will follow have none. And uh, I, I've said this on a show before, but I think one of the greatest wrongs that Mormonism has ever done is lessened the uh, view of the Bible. Now, Latter-day Saints argue this a lot. I get a lot of emails on this topic, but they do. I mean, the simple article of faith that we believe in the Bible as far as it's translated correctly, and we also believe the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God, and that you can get draw closer to God by reading the Book of Mormon than any other book, I think that it automatically lowers the Bible. Um, anything else? Got some links here you should turn to if you really want to know the truth about Mormonism. I'm not going to share that. Uh, LDS Church has suffered persecution from apostates and dissidents since the beginning. You have little impact on the growth of God's church. Persecution only makes us stronger. I want you to know that um, I've asked several people, and I'd like a Latter-day Saint to call the show and tell me, how many Latter-day Saints have lost their lives in persecution for their truth? Um, I think that you can count them on two hands at most, maybe one hand lost their lives. Now, I know there's been a lot of suffering, but they, 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 and they did have to leave, and I know they've been treated wrongly, but do you know that there's estimates that 67 million Christians have died for their faith? If you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you're going to be able to read what Nero did to Christian, wrap them in plastic in uh, wax, and lit them on fire so that his garden would be illuminated as he rode by in his horses. These are Christians who would not deny their faith. Let's say it's not 67 million. Let's say it's 30 million. Let's say it's, uh, it's half of that. Let's say it's 15 million. 15 million people who die with Jesus on their lips and are tortured and suffered. That's persecution. Five people who, in an upstart religion, uh, I think it's unfortunate and I don't agree with it, but come on, let's just, just, just paint this picture as it should be painted. Ginger, have you ever gone to a Mormon church? Uh, Ginger, you can read about my experience in, uh, in my book, uh, which you can get for free if you'd like it for free. You can go to the website, but I was Latter-day Saint for 40 years. Finally, uh, two more, and then we're going to go to a break before we have Pastor Greg uh, come on. 
Do yourself a favor. Don't pretend to know much about the Mormons. Your experience is limited to your perception and your perception is patently flawed. I'll admit that my perceptions can be flawed, but I do try to stick by doctrine in what they believe. And I think that I can uh, stand by uh, most of the things I say uh, uh, according to their doctrine and practices. So um, all I can say on that. And then I have a very long email from Jim and uh, Jim asked me to explain the Trinity, the closed and infallible scripture, and the authority and revelation has ended. And Jim, a question I have for you in return, maybe I'll email you back, but have you been born again? Do you know that Jesus Christ is your Savior that gets you to heaven? That is the question for everybody who comes on the show. Uh, Do you know that you have been saved by the grace of God and that He has taken over your life and given you a new heart? If you haven't been born again, we uh, challenge you to continue to read and study. Uh, Whether you're LDS or Christian or whatever, if you haven't been born again, that is the focus of our show. That's what we consistently want to talk about. But we have other things to talk about along the way. Here with Greg Johnson uh, from Standing Together Ministries. Greg has, um, he's a pioneer in this state, in my opinion, for trying to unite Christians and Latter-day Saints in a, in a, dialogue that works and he has taken heat like you can't believe i understand heat i'm taking a little bit of it now but he has taken heat for years about the things that he has stood for and he's stuck his neck out and so i'm really glad to have him on the show in addition uh i was on greg's show when i first came uh, to utah and he had the graciousness to let me come on and because of that i have this show today and so i want to i want to thank you publicly for that excellent excellent He's a man of few words, few words. Few words. All right, here we go. Uh, I, I talked to Greg about these questions and what we were going to do because nothing is, uh, is more boring to me than having two guys sit there and, well, I think that this is it. <laughs> yes, Sean, I agree with you. And, and so I'm gonna, we're going to get to know Greg in a different way right now, and I'm going to ask him a couple uh, questions about his tastes, and then we're going to work into some other things, all right? So this is uh, something a little different. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Burger or steak? Steak. Uh, Hawaii or Europe? Definitely Europe. Uh, Mountains, desert, or sea? I am a man of the sea, like you. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You didn't know that. From a California coast myself, you know, from California. Northern? Southern. Where about? The San Fernando Valley. Oh, excellent. And then Orange County. Very good. Yeah. Coastal area. All right. Um, Theater or DVD? I think I'm a theater guy. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, I love the theater. Diet Coke or just, Lemonade? Just went to the movies last night. What'd you see? Saw United 93, and it was a gut-wrencher. It was? Yeah, very tough to watch. All right, good to know. You hear that? Okay. Uh, we're going to get through this stuff. I know it's kind of like two guys just talking, but... All right, um, Diet Coke or Lemonade? I have, a, I have a little addition to that one. Diet Coke with Lime. He won't stick to my rules. Okay, Diet Coke with Lime. Dog or cat? Definitely dog. Definitely dog, okay. Cement or asphalt? I have no idea what the relevance of that is, but I, I said care. cement. Cement. Very good answer. Uh, play or watch? I'm a player. Okay. Yes. Blue or red? Ooh. Is that a political question? Uh, no comment. A qu- just a question. <laughs> blue I'll go or red. red? I'll go red. You're wearing blue. I'm a red guy. <laughs> okay. It's purple. All right. Uh, snowboard or ski? Ski man. Okay. Book or television? Both. Ah. Okay. Gotcha. All right, uh, and now we're going to go to some word association, 
Greg, you I got wonder if people are just wondering what, what that was all about. I, it doesn't yeah. matter because we're just trying to know Greg in a, in a different way than just kind of uh, talking about other things. The real me, perhaps. The real yeah. you. Word association, Greg. You ready? Uh huh. Fifteen second answers at, at oh, most. At most. Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias is uh, my friend, a hero in the faith, and I can't help but think Mormon Tabernacle 2004. Okay, excellent. Uh, Standing Together Ministries. Uh, my life's passion. The idea of bringing unity and spiritual transformation to the culture of Utah is what God has made me to do. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad to be part of it. Eric McHenry. My partner. He's a great guy. I, I could go on and on and on, but uh, my partner has been serving with us for two and a half years. God brought us together, and uh, there's no doubt in my mind that that was very much a purposeful uh, deal, that God, uh, God did that, and I'm grateful for him. All right. The Lord Jesus Christ. My Lord and my Savior. Where's the camera? What, uh, uh, my Lord and my Savior, my all in all. I, I absolutely want everybody to know that the greatest thing about me is that I know Jesus. All right. Temple Square. You might ask for a little extra, but I'm going to tell you, I like the, when, the first thing that came to my mind with Temple Square was now covered in grace. Oh. You want an explanation? Yes. And I had the great privilege of sharing this with Elder Jeffrey Holland at the Quorum of the Twelve. Literally, as the Tabernacle Building has been uh, under construction since Ravi Zacharias' appearance there in late 04, they used a, um, they used a paper product, a, a roofing paper product that covered the Tabernacle before the metal... Uh, roofing was placed over it. Mm -hmm. And uh, a friend of mine, a pastor friend, said, you, you won't believe this. And I said, what? And he said, you got to go down to Temple Square and look at the tabernacle. And I said, okay. I looked down there. Actually, I didn't have a chance. He showed me a bunch of pictures. And literally, the tabernacle was covered with the word grace. Huh. The paper product, the, the roofing paper, was by the company Ultra Grace. No kidding. And so I told uh, Elder Jeffrey Holland, I said, Elder Jeffrey Holland, do you know that the tabernacle since Rabbi Zacharias is now covered in grace? He didn't know what I meant. I told him the story and we both had a laugh. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. But I think there's something uh, significant about that. Lord I works like in that. mysterious I like ways, that. and I like it too. I do. That's excellent. Okay, um, the Bible. The Bible is God's holy word. It is, for me, uh, the love letter that Jesus Christ wrote to all of us who love him. Hmm. Well put. The Book of Mormon. It is a sacred book to many of my friends. It is not to me. Okay, fair enough. Bob Millett. Uh, I would also say... Uh, that uh, in defiance of, of unfair accusations, one, he's my friend, but I think he's an honest person, and that will just uh, fry some people that I've just said that. But I believe it. I believe that Bob Millett is an honest person, and I believe he's a courageous person. Okay. I, um, I don't know Bob Millett, and, but I do know that when the things I've read of his, um, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't, uh, doesn't couch things. He tells exactly what he believes. I've seen his quotes on Joseph Smith. So he does say what he believes from the things I've read. I have quotes from it. So I, I think in particular, it, a very important thing, a man has written over 50 books. I would like to say I met Bob Millett in 1997. Since that time, I see what he has focused on and what he has written about. I think we, we would do well to consider the Bob Millett of the last 10 years not that his previous 20 uh, or 30 years aren't relevant, but it does show a progression of thought that I think is more relevant. And even, even saying that, mm -hmm. Bob writes a lot of uh, things that I disagree with mm -hmm. in his own current books. Mm -hmm. and, 
And yet I, I also agree with some of the things, uh, many things that sure. he has written. So I think he's an honest person mm -hmm. in defiance of those who, who do not know him, who have not spent the time with him that I have. Okay. And I think he's a courageous person. And he's taken a number of hits from his own folk, from his own kind, who have felt that he has gone soft. And maybe some of the people out there that think he's so uh, dishonest or disingenuine would take, uh, would take note of that. Okay. Excellent. Um, hell. Hell is a state of mind. No. <laughs> hell is a real place it is where a real, real people are going to spend eternity without Jesus. And that's why the message of the gospel is absolutely every believer's most greatest responsibility. We don't want a single individual to go to hell. We know that people will go there. We know it's real. Let's do everything on this side of the, of the veil of eternity to help people find Jesus and not have to go there. Amen. By the way, uh, Greg is a great... Uh, preacher too. I've heard, uh, you know, this isn't the Greg uh, homage show because uh, I'm sure he has some faults somewhere. He doesn't I've like got, my dress. And I've things, got many, but I think he should put his button up. Don't I'm not going to not going to button it up. But listen, he's from Newport. He's what a good. He's a good uh, pastor. He has good pastoring skills, and you can tell he loves the Lord, and it's going to help with the unity of the state. We need unity of the faith. That's what we need, and Greg is led the way on how we can have unity. Come on. All right, next, Joseph Smith. I think I'd answer it the same way I did with the Book of Mormon in the sense that uh, he is the founder of the Mormon church, but he is not a prophet to me. Okay. Uh, Counter cult ministries. Now we're getting, uh, getting to the heart of the matter. Uh, <laughs> frankly, I, I would like to say that in quoting my old mentor, a little bit of a mentor, just a little bit of a mentor, I, I was with him on more than, well, I was with him on three different accounts, had him speak for me, but someone of the patron saint of the countercult movement, if you will, Dr. Walter Martin once said this, the, uh, the news of my death is greatly exaggerated. And I think that lately I'd have to say the countercult has been very angry at me. And so uh, I feel a lot of their anger and not much of their love. I see. The Countercult Ministries, for those of you who don't know, they are uh, people or organizations that uh, take an approach toward um, what they believe are cults. In many cases, they're right. And they are very attacking. They're quite strong. And usually, um, many of them, not all of them, but usually they will attack uh, people who have any methodology or opinion that differs from their in the slightest. And so they kind of build a, uh, an entire, Greg isn't saying this, this is me, but they build an entire living off attacking. And, uh, and some of you think that I'm part of that. I'm not, no matter what you say. I have love in my heart for Latter-day Saints. I'm going to stay on doctrine as I think it's errant. But uh, I'm not going to go down that same road. And, and Greg has experienced a lot from them, and that's why I asked him. Okay. Uh, I know Greg is behind the very nice, and gentle approach at Temple Square of greeting the Latter-day Saints as they go to General Conference. I personally, it's the only thing I've wondered about Greg's ministry, is what the heck does he think that does? And so I, I'm going to ask him, Greg, what the heck do you think it does? John, we have done something called Mission Loving Kindness three times now. We did it twice in 204, both in April and in October, and we did it once uh, this last April on Saturday, one of the two days of General Conference. Why did Standing Together initiate with local churches in a cooperative effort to engage the Latter-day Saint culture in 2004, primarily because there had been an outpouring of new aggression 
where things seemed to go over the top. And a number of pastors had had enough of it. I work with a lot of pastors, uh, probably at least 50 a month that I get to see personally. In late October of 03, there was a new round of, of activity that was so egregious. The stomping on of te temple garments, the, the whirling them around, the, the wiping of their rear ends, the blowing of their noses in them, oh. that the, the, the Christian clergy, the pastors of Utah, engaged with me and said, we've got to put a stop to this. So we made a statement in October of 2003, and we said, this expression of Christianity does not represent what we believe evangelical Christian witness looks like. And we are here as 36 different pastors, 23 on site, 36 who signed the statement, to say enough is enough is enough. And we said that. In April of that following year, in 2004, seven congregations decided in an experimental way to do two things. To go downtown, to reserve some space on North Temple Street, to communicate love and kindness. The Hebrew word is chesed. I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, the chesed. Mm -hmm. The chesed of God, the loving kindness of God. We have felt that there's been so much anxiety, so much anger, so much contempt at Temple Square during General Conference that we didn't want to go down there and protest the street preachers. We certainly weren't going, if you go back to the media reports where I was quoted on virtually every local news channel, we weren't there to endorse Mormonism. We were to do two things. We were to be an on-site presence of prayer. We told the people that came from those seven congregations, those 86 people from those seven congregations, we are here to pray for the peace of our city. There's too much anger in our city. Let's stand in the gap. Huh, that's a biblical concept out of Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. That we will stand in the gap and pray, and we will pray. And then we will express gratitude or, or expressions of love and kindness to the LDS culture. There were some pastors and some churches that are very supportive of standing together. They were a little concerned about this. But in October of that year, 15 congregations sent over 180 people to participate in the Tutte Expression. Wow. The, the, probably the best illustration of why I think Mission Loving Kindness was a helpful experience. We didn't do it at all in 2005. We took the whole year off. We did the one day of General Conference in April. We don't know if we'll ever do it again uh, or other churches will do it again. But the, the expression that came from a 34-year veteran of the LDS Church Security Force who was really set on our corner on Main Street and, uh, and North Temple to kind of watch this new group, this standing together group. And the beauty of it, Sean, was that you'd have standing together, you'd have the name of the person, and then you'd have the name of their church. So a Baptist was standing next to a Presbyterian, was standing next to an Assemblies of God, was standing next to an EV Free, was standing next to a non-denominational. And the Mormon people were blown away mm. that the evangelical community was not there to attack, not there to ridicule, not there to shout, not there to mock, but there to simply say, we love you. Mm. God bless you. Okay. Have a nice day. The 34-year veteran, uh, I'll just say his first name, Marty. Marty came to me at the end of that, that second day. He said, Pastor John's going to have a word with you. And I said, sure. I said, Marty, you've been watching us very closely. What do you think? He said, I, this is what I think. I've been here for 34 years. I've been the personal bodyguard of five LDS prophets. Hmm. I have never seen what I've witnessed the last two days. I've seen group after group come here to tell us we're not Christians, mm -hmm. to denounce everything that we believe in, to, to walk around our facility. I've seen it in 34 years, but you guys have done something that has never been done in my experience. And I said, well, what is it? What, out with it. And with almost, there was expression of emotion in his heart, a little bit of a, a tear in his eye, if you will. He said, you know, nobody's ever come just to be nice to us. And I said, Marty, you know, the gospel that I know of is a gospel of love and truth. And you know, as Rabbi Zachariah said, when truth is not undergirded by love, when truth is not undergirded by love, our message becomes repulsive and those of us who are preaching it become obnoxious. 
And I love that quote from Ravi. If truth is not undergirded by love, the Mormons know that we don't agree with their doctrine. Mm -hmm. But do they know that we love them? And the statement that, that is often made, yes, we love them enough to tell them they're going to hell. Right, right, right. You know what? That, that doesn't cut it. No. Tell your wife that, that, that I love her enough to tell her the truth and, and then tell her a litany of things that you don't like about her. Right. You know, that's not going to endear that relationship. That's not going to cultivate. We have to really love in word and in deed. Excellent. Now mission, I'm stopping him. That's mission loving kindness. It's good. And it's a great answer. And I gave him a lot of time on that because I personally didn't know. And I personally had some critical thoughts about it. Being a Latter-day Saint, going into conference, it was annoying to me to have people uh, say things to me. What are you even doing here? But that makes sense in this context. If there are people out there desecrating what Mormons hold true, come on, you're not going to get anywhere with that. So uh, uh, anyway. We just wanted to tell you that uh, good, good, good answer. Well, and I'm in support of that. It's there a good has been example. tremendous response. I'm convinced, if I can just say this, for anybody that might be concerned as well, if you felt good at all, and I felt tremendously good about the experience that happened at uh, General Conference in late 2004, I'm convinced that First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve permitted Dr. Ravi Zacharias to speak at the Mormon Tabernacle to preach that wonderful, wonderful message because they felt that we had expressed this kind of love and kindness. Okay. So there was a very positive result in my mind. That sounds like a good one. On we go. Last thing, Greg, what do you think uh, the Bob and Greg shows do for Mormonism and for Christianity in one minute or less? Ooh, it's going to be tough. I want you to ask me one more question about finances right. and funding. Okay. Um, Bob Mill and I have known each other for almost, not, well, just past nine years. And over the last four years, we've done this dialogue. We did a, a short example of that last year, but we've now done over 42 times in Christian churches, in Christian seminaries, in LDS ward houses and stake houses. We've done it 42 times, twice out of this country, 40 times inside this country in 11 different states. We were just in Connecticut with a Southern Baptist church and a Southern Baptist pastor who told me that this was one of the most wonderful things that has ever happened because it allowed them to engage their LDS community in a new way of acceptability, that the walls were being brought down. We were just at Mount Olympus Presbyterian Church in Salt Lake City with a wonderful response by the senior pastor and by the leadership there, very, very positive. What this thing does, Sean, is allows people to see an example of convicted civility. It is not the end-all discussion. It is not the final debate. It is not the, the win-lose presentation. Okay. It has never been expressed to be that. Okay. It is an expression or a model of convicted civility. Can we engage one another with our convictions? Bob and I talk about our differences, but can we do that with civility? 1 Peter 3.15 says that if we are going to give an answer for the hope that lies within us, we've got to do it with gentleness and respect. You're setting a good example. Yeah. Excellent. I'm for I love it. I've never talked to Greg about this. I've never, I've never asked him point blank what about this or this. I'm telling you this. I, I wrote these questions. I sent them to him. He read them. I'm asking him, and this is it. Uh, I, I love it because we have to have civility. You see me get mad on, on this thing, and it's usually for your personal attacks. It's not for the doctrinal things, usually. But we got to learn to do that. So that's a wonderful thing that Christians can see Greg and use him as an example on how to relate with Latter-day Saints. And Latter-day Saints can watch Bob Millett and they can relate to Christians in the way that Bob relates to Greg. So why not? I want to hear your ideas about this and what Greg uh, is doing and what he has done. And give us your comments so we can address them on the phone live. But he asked a question about his finances. Who pays for all this? 
this has been, I think uh, Paul Roby brought this up to you just today. Here yes, he did. At, at Channel 20. That's it's why I'm asking. And that's, that's why you asked it. And I've been happy to tell Paul or anyone else what the situation is. You got one minute. In 1970, Lowell Berry, the wealthy Presbyterian, funded a chair at Brigham Young University called the Richard L. Evans Chair because of his fondness for this individual. This is the same Lowberry that funded and has now for over 40 years the Billy Graham School of Evangelism. This has happened all around the country and as a pastor I've been a part of that. Lowberry felt that this would be a good way for Mormons to engage with outsiders and outsiders to engage with Mormons. Huh. As a result, Bob Millett was the Evans chairholder from about 2001 to about 2005. And he had a sum of money that he had the sole discretionary use of. And as we began to get engagements to, to do our dialogue elsewhere, uh, it was clear that my funding as a ministry, which involves our staff and our expenses and our ministry effort, would not entail or not allow for this extra kind of travel. So the question of whether or not uh, we would let funding come from the Evans chair to fund our flight travel, our ground travel, and our accommodations, no honorarium, no expenditures personal at all. There's no check to stand together to pay an honorarium to me or, or, or to pay our uh, expenses in any way other than those three items. Okay. And that was done. That was done with our board's thorough evaluation of it, uh, my full board, and approval of it. And it was just reaffirmed on March 5th because of some recent criticism. As of last year, Bob is no longer the Evans chairholder. And there are two individuals who happen to be Latter-day Saints in Orange County, California, that gave us some of money that have allowed us to continue that. We actually are at the end of those funds and we are considering now what, what the next step is. But the idea that I, or that this ministry is being funded by the Mormon church is a vicious and, and illogical attack. There is, there is a independence to my commentary with Bob. I have asked Bob, I've told Bob, I have said, you know, if this funding okay. would cover these details, it will not change one thing I say, and I, I believe with full integrity, nothing has been changed in, in our comments. So I don't believe it's fair at all to say. I think it's ironic. It was a wealthy Presbyterian who's been funding us these last four years, not the LDS Church. Excellent. One could say. I want to uh, <laughs> offer this invitation out. If there's any individual Latter-day Saints who want to fund my show, uh, feel free to come on, brother. I'll take it. Uh, because one, one, pastor, one pastor just here locally just had a major building project. And the Mormon church, the Mormon church, not, not Bob Millett individually or, or individual Mormons, gave him $10,000. And I said, aren't you concerned about that? Don't you get criticism? He says, hey, wherever the Lord brings the money, I'm aiming to use it. So, All right, we're going to Lisa online. We're going to the calls now. And uh, if you have a question for Greg or for me, let's have it. Lisa on line one. Lisa, Lisa are you there? Hey. Hey, who's this? Hey, this is Billy Bob. Billy Bob, oh, this is going to be a great call. What's going on? <laughs> You're not Lisa, are you? No, I'm not Lisa. Okay. All right, Billy Bob. What's your question? Uh, does that sure come with buttons? <laughs> hey, Billy Bob, why don't you come to the studio and find out, man? Studio. Hey, do you have any other questions, Billy Bob? We got people who really want to talk about some important things. Okay, okay. Church is true. Okay, buddy. Have a good Thank day. you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Joanne on line two. Joanne. Yes, I was born and raised in Salt Lake, and I've always felt guilty when it comes to religion and all that, and I have got down on my knees, and I've prayed to the Lord, and I've, I've never really been active in any religion because I just didn't feel there was any that really made me feel like I thought I should feel if I was truly hmm. walking with the Lord. And now I want to know, 
you say you have to be born again. Yeah. Well, I've got on my knees and I've asked the Lord to come into my life and to take over my life and help me. But how do you know when you're born again? Well, Joanne, I'll answer first and then we'll let Greg take over. Just really quickly, I want you to know that um, if you've asked the Lord, then step out in faith. You've asked him to take over your life. You believe that he uh, will. You've got on your knees. You're, you're fine. You go out and step out in faith. And you're, I don't believe you're ever going to find a church anywhere that's going to give you good feelings all the time, all your life. It's the relationship you have with the Lord. The church is something you do to fellowship with like-minded saints uh, and like-minded believers. So go and do that and, and don't give that up. Go to a good uh, church. Maybe Greg has some insights on some churches that you might attend here. Joanne, let, let me just... Uh add to that you know there is a truth i believe that god loves the world so much that he gave his own son and i believe he gave his son for you and for me but i also believe there's a great accuser and the great accuser is is, is god's enemy that would bring doubt and discouragement to you jesus gave the invitation that he has given to me and to, to sean and every other person who's ever accepted him and that was the invitation he gave in the in the in the new testament in the gospels when he said come and follow me the, the invitation that you've responded to, if in your heart you have responded seriously to the love of God and saying to Him, I know I need your help. I know I'm a sinner. I know I could never make it on my own. If you will receive that gift in, in faithfulness and step out, like Sean just said, just like Peter had to step out of the boat and walk on the water, and for a few minutes he was doing fine until he looked off uh, 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 away from Jesus and looked at his own situation, he fell. So you don't need to fall. You can trust Jesus, the Jesus that you have prayed to in the Bible. Go seek some encouragement from a local church. There's a plenty of good ones. You can check out standinggether.org website for our church directory, and you get some great suggestions there. Thanks so much, Joanne. Thanks for calling. Keep watching, okay? I sure will. Thanks, okay. Joanne. Jeffrey on line three. Jeffrey, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Um, yes, um, I'm calling from Salt Lake, and um, I had a question. Is it true in the Bible it says that uh, God accepts you how how you come. I don't know if it says that phrase. I don't think it says that that exact line. But uh, certainly, the certainly the sentiment is there. Uh, the idea that uh, for years now, Billy Graham has been traveling the world with this great hymn, "Come Just as You Are." The idea there is that we can never get ourselves clean enough, pure enough, sinless enough to approach God in any condition of worthiness. We've got to come in our honest, sinful condition and say, "God, I'm a sinner." but I believe you love me anyways. And God begins a brand new relationship and he doesn't have to clean, you don't have to clean yourself up to get to God. He cleans you up from the inside out. Okay, because I got a letter from the Mormon church stating that in six months I would have to be evaluated before I would be allowed to enter the church. And, you know, I just, I just thought it was wrong for them to judge me like that. You know, if I, the only one I have anything to prove to is God. Well, uh, and how are, you, how are you proving it to him? Are you are you following him? Are you are you turning your life over to him? Well, you see, I can't read. I'm blind, so you know, I, my wife reads me passages and stuff. That's you know? wonderful. That's awesome. And she tries the best. She has secondary glaucoma, so. Well, why don't you just take that letter and just put it in the drawer and go find a good Bible-believing church and give that a try? All right. Thank you. I, I don't. I don't. I think that colonies know Jesus does not require a probationary period to be accepted and to be loved. Amen. And I, I just would encourage you to know that His love is available right now and His full acceptance and His full forgiveness is available. If you would but confess to Him and, and, and seek Him, He will forgive you. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Call back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
All right, we're going to Lisa on line two. Lisa. Lisa's back. Hi, Sean. This is Lisa. You're back. We're glad. Cool. Um, I watched your show today for the first time, and it was a rerun. But oh. there was someone on the line that um, stated something about how the Mormons say that, you know, they help people and that they there's no passing judgment. Um, being a single mom from here, mm -hmm. I'm a new Christian. Uh -huh. I used to be a Mormon. Uh -huh. And I've noticed since I've changed, I'm treated a lot differently. Mm, wow. And I don't understand how they can go from saying that they help you, but if you quit the church, they no longer help you. Well, I just, I have a friend that told me that when her daughter was five, she was playing outside with two of her friends, and the, one of the girls told her that we can't play with you because you're not our kind. Mm. And the five-year-old little girl went to her mother and said, Mommy, I can't play with them. What does that mean I'm not their kind? Mm. And it's just kind of disturbing to me. Lisa. Yes? Let me uh, just add, I, uh, I asked to be excommunicated from the LDS Church in uh, the year 2001, and they accepted my, uh, my request. Uh, since that time, uh, it has gotten out in the in the place I grew up in, uh, in the stake and ward uh, that my wife and children will attend of what I asked for and what I'm doing now. And the treatment is just the same. So I would challenge Latter-day Saints to grow up. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, you don't have to be in this protective shell to keep the religion going if that's your fears. Be kind and loving to people who decide and think otherwise, and continue on with your friendships with them if they think otherwise. I believe there's a quote by Joseph Smith, to quote your, the prophet, that if you thought me errant, why didn't you show me more love instead of less? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, let's show forth the love to people. You know, Lisa, my heart goes out to you, even as a parent here in Utah as an evangelical, my daughter has dealt with some really tough things just by wearing a little cross necklace to school. and. Uh, it obviously was sentiment that came from LDS kids. This story was written up uh, in Bob Millett's uh, book. Uh, it was written up by the Salt Lake Tribune uh, a writer, uh, Peggy Stack. And the, the, the sense of it was that these children in this public school situation wouldn't have known these things, wouldn't have known about uh, the cross or the symbol of the cross to be so negative about it if they hadn't been taught or heard it from someplace. Exactly. These same stories were shared 23 Leading evangelical pastors in a historic breakthrough meeting just last month took place downtown with four Mormon general authorities, including a, a Mormon apostle. And the heartfelt, honest statements of several of those pastors about the, the way that people who have left Mormonism, and, and this is a church that affirms the issue of free agency. You have the free agency, Lisa, to, to choose to leave Mormonism or, or to embrace it. And yet when you've done that, you felt like an outcast, like a leper. Yes. And, the, and my heart goes out to you, and I say with John that those in this community that proclaim themselves to be Mormons need to be able to look at those who have left their faith lovingly and compassionately. You do nothing more than convince people who have left that the truth is not there where they've come from. And they have found the loving acceptance in many evangelical churches. Our heart goes out for you because I know that you're uh, dealing with some hard things. Uh, my prayers... My prayers are for you too, Lisa. Lisa, thank you for your call. God bless you. Keep calling, okay? Thank you. Thank you. We're going to Andy in line one. Andy from Draper. Hey, Sean, Greg, how are you guys? Doing well. How are you? Doing well. You knew I was going to call in, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was just a guess. Yeah. <clears throat> so, 
my, my biggest question, and I have a lot for you, Greg, and I know we'll sit down and talk. We're going to sit down and talk soon, Andy. Um, this is one I want you to address with the general public because I think it's really important. Okay. Um, many times I've run into evangelical Christians who are not sharing their faith anymore because they believe that you have said that the Mormon church is going to flip to evangelical Christianity. So my comment is, and my concern is, is that that's breeding complacency, and you may not actually mean to say that, but people are actually believing that. Well, you know, I, great question, and a very fair question. There, there are a lot of fair questions. When, when, when I'm asked a question about our funding, when I'm asked a question about our methodology, I am more than happy to answer it. The, the consequence or the reaction of some to a complacent view of LDS interaction, it's interesting because I know what my heart is. Uh, some people may disagree with me, but I know my heart is not that, dis that engagement and dialogue in the Mormon church would cease, but that it would launch forward, in fact. Because I have felt that in my 25 years outside of Mormonism, being raised in the Mormon faith, and about 10 plus years of that being pretty much a confrontationalist, and then coming to Utah about 12 years ago and beginning to change that style and methodology, Oh, wait, wait, wait. i got to stop you there. Okay, okay. There, there. In the Bible, there's no new method. They only did it one way. They shared, they preached Christ, and Christ crucified. They didn't come up with new methods. Well, you, you and I know that, for example, Andy, don't you have a TV show that you tell people how to, to accept Jesus? <laughs> Absolutely. Did they have that method in the New Testament? Well, that's, but no, that's, that's, that's what I mean by method. A, a means by which to share the central message of hope which is Jesus Christ, period. That's always been the same message. The method has changed. They've had crusades. They've had personal when, evangelism. That, that's, that's what I'm what talking about. That's what I want to know. When do you share that? I mean, I know Mission Loving Kindness never shares that. They just stand there. Right. We, we so talked when about are you sharing that? That's what I want to know. In personal relationships and in personal conversations, both with my friend Bob Millett, uh, with general authorities of the LDS Bob, Church. I've heard Bob and you talk, and you don't tell Bob when it is time to say, you don't say, because Bob does not have the same doctrine that most Mormons have, and you know it. Let's say it right now. I, I, he has a totally different Mormon doctrine. Now, Andy, 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 calm down. Andy, he has the same doctrines. I read his books. He comes out with the same stuff. I had quotes all over the place. He just, he's, he's talking to a different audience, just like when you're talking to a child. You don't give them everything you know. He has a certain methodology. Yeah, but well, you know what? You guys fairness. need to take this up at Denny's in an afternoon because we have people who want to call and talk to me, not him. Well, Sean, Sean needs to hear me say, uh, Andy. All about you. That, that he, he, needs, he needs to hear me say that if you look at the Bob Millen of the last 10 years, again, contra to uh, the great criticism that Bob Millen either is the, the world's most notorious Mormon liar, a deceiver, uh, and I know that's the, the blunt view not. of some, or that he's this great anomaly that no Mormon thinks like him. I want you to know that through his books, through his lectures, through his presentations, through his personal interaction, if you look at the Bob Mill over the last 10 years, particularly read Grace Works. It, am I saying I agree with everything that Grace Works says? No. But read Grace Works. Read Reflections of the Prodigal Son. Read Getting at the Truth. The, the quotations that you shared with me, for example, all came prior to the fact of me even knowing Bob Millett from 1998 and early. Yeah. Er, and yeah. yet the more recent books that Bob has written have reflected a very unique, grace-centered, crystallized. focus. And we have focus. to give people the benefit of being able to change and progress and mature. It happens in individualized. It happens, it happens in the in Christian mind. church. Yeah. You know, deep down in the South, they used to say, if you were black, 
you weren't a, a, a full human being, let alone uh, Greg, will you definitely Christian. tell people that you are uh, you do want to witness to Mormons? I, my heart, my heart, Andy, my heart has been and is, and my life's commitment is to help Mormon people come to know the biblical Jesus, to know his love, his forgiveness. And, and his... we're stopping on that one, Andy. <laughs> I got to go to another call. You guys battle that outside. Quincy on Quincy on line three. Quincy, you've called before. What's going on? God bless, Sean. How are you today? Hey, doing well. You? Oh, awesome. You know me. I got to give my little statements. All right, let's have it. Well, brother, you know the Mormon people, without naming names, they love God, and that's that basic love. What we got to understand is the traditions of men make the Word of God void. So okay. we have to uh, edify them, as the Bible says, and build them up to 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 our level of understanding. Sure. And, and, that, and that's and that's that greatest love gift that we can give to our brothers. Sure. And, and, and that creates harmony. And that's, as Pastor Greg was saying, that's what he had to learn. Awesome. And it's, it's awesome. And, and as Christians, we need to understand that, that not everybody's at the same level. And, it, you know, we got to bring them to the truth of the Word, and nothing is more refreshing when someone can ask something and you can show them right in the Word of God yeah. What God has to say, not That's what true. this man has to say. You know, brother, I was asked just just uh, in the last weekend, um, does your does your uh, gentle kindness uh, change anybody or, or whatnot? You know, because uh, I was quoting the newspaper in the Deseret News as to say we don't need to convert people. The reality is, is, is like Martin Luther King Jr. once said, whom you would seek to change, you must first love. And the gospel that I know, the gospel of the New Testament, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is a gospel of truth and love. That's right. And the love is, again, an undergirding principle. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you love. That's, That's not right. a trite statement. That's a fact That's of true. human condition. Right. And we've got and to love people. With you. Who, I know you're with me, and I appreciate right, right, that. Right. I just want to say that conversion comes not as a result of being argued into the kingdom. Conversion right. comes when people are loved and they're open then to receive your impact, your, your, your feedback, your biblical presentation. And, Quincy, and that's what we're doing. Quincy, you bring, always bring a great uh, thought to the yeah. show. Good and job. keep bringing them because it helps all of us continue to refocus and think on the important things. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Tatiana on line two. Tatiana. Uh, yes. Well, I kind of had a comment. I, I was uh, LDS, grew up LDS. My father was a bishop uh, quite a few times. And, uh -huh. um for those that think that the Bible was ill-translated, you know, for me, that is questioning the Almighty. If right. He truly is Almighty, He's capable of having us translated properly. And um, in Second Peter, it says, uh, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Right. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of yeah. man, but holy men of God as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Um, another thing is, you know, it, it says in um, James, um, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Mm -hmm. And to those that say that accepting the grace of, of Christ and of God is, is the easy way, um, it really is not. No. Because the minute you become born again, yeah. It's a process. It's yeah. a, pro a lifelong process that makes you change your life. Uh, when God prompts you to give something up, the love you have for Him uh, and the, the gratitude for the grace makes you do Absolutely. things that you would not be capable Absolutely. of doing. Um, Tatiana, it sounds like uh, you really know the Lord. It sounds like you have uh, 
been converted and born again. And we appreciate your testimony and the insights you've shared with the audience tonight. Keep calling, please, and, and share the show with your friends. Okay, yes, it's, uh, it's, it's very hard um, leaving Mormonism. It is. It's the easy thing because you have to sometimes give up your family. Um, your children don't have friends. Um, you're often seen as the Jesus freak. So it's not the easy way. Sometimes it's actually the very difficult way. But is it worth it? It's very worth it. Praise God. It's very Diana. worth it. And I think when you accept that little by little, not little by little, but basically immediately, you know the truth. All right. Um, Thanks so much. Tatiana, one just quick comment. You know, A.W. Tozer, I think, is the one who said, we're not invited to a party when we come to know Jesus. We're invited to a funeral. That's right. Uh, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but the life that I now live, I live in the flesh. I, I live in Christ. It's no longer my life. If you know Jesus, like you said, it's not easy, but it's just the better way. It awesome. Is. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Tatiana. We're going to Barton on line one. Barton, you're on, brother. I'd like to ask a favor. Okay. Of like, me or Greg? You instruct the other preachers, uh, you know, to stop misusing the term cult which basically all religions, and as well as political or any group beliefs, are considered a cult by definition. Uh-huh. So... You don't like that? I don't like that word either. Yeah. Uh, and it's the word that we get, culture and cultural and cultivation. Right. You know, you know uh, is it Barton? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Barton, uh, Salt Lake Seminary has a, a product that helps evangelical Christians engage with their Mormon neighbors. It's called Bridges. And that's one of the fundamental teachings or fundamental principles of this training is that it's not appropriate any longer in our day and age, and this, this fries some people again, to refer to Mormonism as just a cult. It's a label. It's a derogatory term. It's got a lot of baggage. Uh, Bridges really advocates understanding, like you just said, that let's not use the word cult, which just stops the conversation. Let's understand that Mormonism is a unique culture with distinctive language, history, tradition, and family, and all the sociological phenomenon of that, of that sense. And I, I am one who does say across this country, it's no longer necessary, valid, or helpful for us to dismiss people with a label that is clearly derogatory. Right. It's like saying those right-wing Republicans. Uh, you know, I'm a Republican, but I know when somebody says those right-wingers, they're being very despairing, they're very, being very dismissive. I think for the most part, that, that phrase that you've just brought up, that word, is also just as, as limiting and... and uh, and, and not helpful in any way, so I'm with you. Amen. Hey, Barton, uh, one addition. Check out, go online and check out Robert J. Lifton's uh, study on totalist methodologies and uh, see what he found. He's a, he's a PhD who studied totalist methodologies that organizations use to keep their members in control. And uh, I think you'd be surprised to see what his discoveries were. I don't like the word cult, but there are methodologies that are used that can control people to the extent where they stop thinking for themselves. And, uh, and so that's why some people try to label yeah. certain institutions as the C word. We're going to Chuck and Leighton. Thanks for the call. Chuck, you're on. Yes, hi. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. I'm a born-again Christian with uh, a comment for Greg. Okay. I've watched the Greg and Bob show in times past. Okay. I appreciate what you're doing, but on the other hand, the show always leaves me feeling somewhat troubled. Okay. And I know that um, you do talk about the differences between the two faiths, and that's good. But I, I can't help but wonder with some concern whether Mormons watching the show might think, 
you know, we're really not that far apart. Right. And the show would serve to give them footing rather than highlight the differences. What do you think about that? Well, I think, I think that's an honest question that I have dealt with, uh, Chuck, uh, for these last 40-some-odd presentations. Um, I, I'm not denying that, in fact, there have been Latter-day Saints who have either expressed that to some or, or made those concerns. But I think, in, in fairness, if we are going to do the apologetic task, if we're going to do the, the evangelistic task, as we are called to do as Christians, we do not compromise ourselves, we do not lower our convictions, we do not, uh, we do not, we do not lose our message by expressing love and compassion and, and care for the people that we disagree with. It's interesting, I will have these dialogues across the country and for most of the presentation it's going along well and, and someone will inevitably ask uh, or sometimes ask, uh, do you think Bob Millett is a Christian? Do you think Mormons can be Christians? Do you, do you think that, uh, do you think that uh, Mormonism is Christian even? And I'm always very clear, I have made it a public statement. I do not believe for doctrinal reasons, for historical reasons, that Mormonism is appropriately classified as a Christian faith. It is simply not. It is not. Mormons are not Protestants, they're not Catholics, and they're not Orthodox. And they do not embrace the doctrine of the Protestant communion or the Catholic communion or the Orthodox communion that would be traditionally Christian. So in stating that, I haven't lost any of my conviction about where I see Mormonism but I, I want to believe that our approach at lovingly sharing and doing convicted civility will ultimately win the day with many, many hearts. That's my conviction. Thank you for your call. We've got to move on quickly to David. David, you have literally one minute to, do, to go. Okay, this is David. And uh, my question is, how would a Christian define um, their purpose in life? Do you want to handle that or would you like me to? Well, I will. It's my show. Greg, <laughs> be quiet for a minute. You know what? Uh, it's a good question, and I think that God's intention for his creations from the beginning uh, were different than what happened since the fall. And so I think the purpose of a Christian life is to come to know God and to serve him. After that, what happens later and what God does with us in the eternities is going to be up to him. But now it's to get to know God because that is the way we're going to have happiness in this life is to come to know Jesus as the only true and living God and, and to have salvation. I can say it so quickly because I, I like the Westminster... You can't say anything quickly, I like the dude. Westminster <laughs> Confession of Faith. The purpose of any Christian is to know God and to make Him known. Oh, beautiful. I like that. You did say that quickly. Yeah. All right, man. That's Bob. Is it Bob? Bob? Let's go to Bob line one. Bob? Yes. Uh, the Bob. question I have for you is... I thought about it for a second. Okay. No, it's just Bob. You're the last call, Bob. you got to go quick. Yes, Sean, I wanted to know, uh, uh, what was the reason you left the Mormon Church? Uh, I left it because I had a, an experience of turning my life over to Jesus at the side of the road, and it changed my life and outlook, and I came to know him in a different way than what uh, the Latter-day Saint Church taught. And because of that, I uh, came to find out over a period of time that I needed to pursue a different course. Yes. The reason I left, uh, the reason I came to find the Lord at the side of the road, Bob, is because I realized I was a sinner, uh, an egregious sinner, if you want to know that. And if people charge me with not being able to live up to the edicts of the church. Yeah, I'm guilty. Uh, and I don't think anybody can, to tell you the truth. And I think they're all guilty and all covenant breakers. 
uh, when you really look at it. But uh, semantically, it was because the Lord changed my life and I came to find him. We're going to end this call. We've got to end the calls right now. I want to tell you a couple things. One, go to www.bornagainmormon. If you want to get this book, this is bornagainmormon.com, uh, at bornagainmormon.com. The book is called Born Again Mormon, Moving Toward Christian Authenticity. It's not anti-Mormon. I'm very uh, kind, and I think it just explores some ideas maybe you haven't considered. If you don't have money, I'll send you the book for free. If you do have money, pay for it on PayPal there at the site. But I want people to read the book. It's a great gift to give to a Latter-day Saint because it helps them see the Lord in a different way. Also, uh, I want to invite you to come next week. We're going to have a great show um, talking about some things that haven't been talked about yet before on uh, Heart of the Matter. And I'm really grateful that I was able to have our guest on tonight. I think he cleared the air on a number of issues. I think he was definitely a benefit to me to hear his scriptural knowledge and share the things of the Lord with the audience and to hear what he had to say. Greg? Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. And uh, we're gr glad you tuned in. So we'll see you next week. And God oh, we'll bless. We'll see you Monday on This Week in the Word. Oh, that's right. <laughs> this Week in the Word. I'm on a ride, going nowhere I am an existential cowboy on the wind And I won't be coming out, I'm going in This man's awake the storm's arising, the dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know. And I can feel the light filled 